we want to continue this morning uh, in our look at what it means to unself our lives. And the reason we are looking at this um, subject is because Jesus, uh, throughout his journey uh, on this uh, world, in this life, um, he showed us that one of the main barriers to the life that he longs to give us, and we know that he, he says he longs to give us abundant life, but one of the things that is robbing us of really achieving that is our own self, our own reliance on our desires, on our understanding, on thinking we want to control everything ourselves, have it our way, that we'll decide what's right and wrong. Um, that is actually a barrier between us and God, and God is the actual source of life. Money's not the source of our life. Our relationships with others is not the source of our life. Um, it, our experiences and our pleasures uh, are not the source of life, but God is the one that gives true satisfaction, fulfillment, purpose, meaning uh, to life. And when we rely on ourself, when we constantly focus on ourself, we are actually pushing away the very gift that God longs to give us. And, and that is what sin is. Sin is not necessarily a terrible behavior. Many times we uh, define sin as an action such as stealing or lying. Those are not the sins. The sin uh, is what caused those actions. The sin happened within us long before we ever uh, did one of those actions. That's why good people are full of sin. It has nothing to do with being good or bad. Um, it is the fact that we are simply separated in our heart uh, from seeking God. Um, we seek ourselves. Uh, many times there are good people um, that that's what they're finding satisfaction in, in being good. And that's not the source of life either, although that's a great thing and God would want us to do that. But without God in it and without God being the very core of it, then it is simply a man-made um, uh, building up of themselves. And again, that does not bring us into what God uh, wants for us. And, and so we've looked at this journey as Jesus has, is heading towards the cross because the cross is the only um, cure for ourself. It is through his death and sacrifice and then ultimate resurrection that we have freedom from ourself uh, because it's not something we can do ourselves. Again, that would be based on ourself. And so we have to understand that it was the cross that breaks that cycle of relying on ourself and brings us to the ability to rely on Christ. And he makes it right between us and God because he has paid that, that price and restored the relationship uh, that allows us to experience the presence of God. And so throughout his life, we, we've been looking at his, his modeling of this for us. Uh, first of all, we looked and dealt with the temptations of self. Uh, we are constantly tempted to follow ourself. And Jesus himself was tempted because he was a man, uh, he was a human, just like any one of us. Um, and we see that the, uh, the way that we overcome the temptation of self is by submitting all of our desires to the desire of God. God, is this desire what you would want? See, that's what Jesus did when, when he was tempted uh, by the devil. He said, man will not live by bread alone. I will not just live by what I desire, and I need that, and I think I desire that. But he says, I'm going to live by the word of God. 
We are going to live by what God says. And so as we submit every desire and every need to the will of God, he'll say yes and he'll say no. Uh, but we say, have your will, God. Then we begin to live. Um, and, and then we looked at dealing with self-righteousness, really realizing that we cannot be good enough, um, uh, that Jesus came for the sick. He came for the sinners. He came for those that were willing to acknowledge that I am not good enough myself. Uh, it is when we begin to look at ourselves and compare ourselves to others and say, well, I'm a good person. I don't do that. I don't do this. Jesus says, you're missing the point. It's not about uh, a... a a scale of good and bad, it's realizing that we are sick. Um, and not only are we sick, but we are sinners. We have all rebelled against God. We have all chosen our own way. And so it is a great news that we have the great physician that came for us. Um, we are not just lost in our sickness, but Jesus said, I've come for those that are willing to admit that they are sick. And so we can put away our self-righteousness. We also looked at dealing with self-rule, uh, this desire to rule ourselves, to control the direction and an area of our life. Many times we want God in our life, and we will invite him in because it's a great comfort to know that God's with us. But you know where we put him? We put him in the passenger seat. And we say, Jesus, I'm going to believe on you, and I'm going to uh, acknowledge that, that you are God, but, but you just come along. And when I need you, I'll look to you for direction, but I'm going to drive. And, and we have to get out of that um, uh, desire to, to rule and control ourselves. And that's where Jesus said we must deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. Um, picking up our cross is dying to our own rule. It's getting in the back seat, not even the passenger seat, um, and probably not even the back seat, more like getting in the trunk and, and saying, God, take me where you want to take me because I know you can get me there better than I can. And when we acknowledge that and, and lower ourselves uh, in self-rule, uh, again, we begin to take that step closer uh, to the life that God has for us. And then what we talked about last week uh, is the fact that we have to reorder the loves in our life. Uh, that many times, even when we're not focused on ourselves, we are focused on those things that we love in our life. And even though we, we think we, we are focusing on them and we are loving others, that love of others is really a source of our own um, contentment. And, and so we put others as the source of our life. And Jesus says, you have to understand that you cannot love mother or father or brother or sister or wife or husband or kids more than me because they're not the source of your life. Um, yes, I, I, you do need to show compassion on them, but that comes out of loving me more than them. You have to hate them, and that hate is not an emotional hate, but it is a choose, a choice of, of putting God first, of loving God first, and letting him be our identity and our source of, of uh, compassion and purpose in life. Well, today we're going to look at uh, the next area that uh, Jesus brings us to, and now we're coming into this week that um, we are going to be celebrating in the next couple weeks anyway, and that is uh, this great time as Jesus comes closer to the cross, and uh, we're going to pick it up today in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 24, and this takes place right after the Lord's Supper. Uh, so now we're in the last few days of Jesus' life. Um, he has just uh, showed them that he is about to suffer and die for them. He has given them this great uh, institution of communion 
um, uh, to remember uh, him, to remember what he had did, not that it becomes some magical power in and of itself, but it is simply an anchor uh, for us to hold on to, to remind ourselves that Jesus is the one, um, and it is what he is going to do for us that makes all the difference. And um, so let's pick it up in uh, Luke 22, uh, verse 24. And it says, but there was also rivalry among them, talking about the disciples, as to which of them should be considered or regarded the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the youngest, and he who governs as the person who serves. For who is greater, who sits at the table or the one who serves? And yet is it not he who sits at the table? And yet I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And so we see that um, uh, we are dealing with this idea of self-importance. Um, uh, we see this uh, even at this time, Jesus has just been uh, pouring his heart out to them. In fact, he had also just told them that someone was going to betray him. And they begin to ask, Who's gonna, who is that going to be? Is it me? Is it, is it him? Um, and then that discussion moved into who was greater. So they were talking about who was going to betray him. And of course, I could see the conversation saying, well, I'm not going to betray because I'm going to stand with him always. And so therefore, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to do the most for him? And... Um, so right after this great uh, uh, pouring out of his heart to them, the conversation quickly turned back to their own importance. And how many know that that is just like us? Um, that uh, even in, in, in the direst times, um, our self becomes important. Even when we're doing good, we do good to say, look at me. Um, we may not say that, but inside we are positioning ourselves, even through good works, to make ourselves look important. Um, and we see this uh, in their hearts. Can, I can even imagine uh, the discussion between Peter and James and John. And this was not the first time that they had this discussion. We know that they've, they've done this before. But uh, can you imagine? I mean, Peter is like, guys, this is not even a discussion. You know I'm going to be the greatest. Jesus called me the rock. I'm the one that he's going to build a church on. Argument over. Um, I am the greatest. Uh, you, can, you can see them turn to him and say, well, Peter, he may have called you the rock, but he also called you Satan. And uh, so you're out of the, <laughs> the, the uh, equation. And, and so you could see it going back and forth, but it's all about self-importance. And I think 
even though sometimes there's obvious times like this where this discussion definitely showed that they were caught up in themselves, but many times our, our own self-importance is so subtle that we don't even recognize it. We don't even recognize that we're acting out of this desire for self-importance. And so therefore, it's a dangerous thing um, that um, we not begin to look at others as, oh, that person has a problem with it, and yet not see it in ourselves because it is in all of us. Jesus tells us uh, that it is in all of us. And so um, we need to look at... um, the text there. Here's the key thing. It is not the fact that they wanted power over anyone. It's not that they wanted to control the rest of the disciples. I want to lord it over you. Look at what it says in the, in the scripture that we read. It says that they were, in verse 24, that they argued over which should be considered the greatest, who would be regarded as great. So it's not necessarily what they did, or how much power, they just wanted to be regarded, to be considered. And I think, see, this is the subtleness that we have within us that we just want to be noticed. There is this this little thing of self-importance that if we can just be seen, and, and that's not a bad thing, but it becomes a very dangerous thing because it begins to lead us down the wrong path. Um. They have done a poll, um, and, and in this one poll that they did, they, they gathered several middle school students uh, in an area and asked them this question, um, what would be your dream job? Um, and they gave them a list of different jobs that they could pick from. Which one of these would you choose Uh, if you could have anything. And they had jobs on there, of course, like the typical ones, policemen, firemen. Uh, They even had senator, uh, governor, president, um, uh, all of these jobs. And out of all of these jobs, the one that rated the highest was to be the personal assistant to someone famous. And you might say, that doesn't even seem like a, a uh, self-focusing uh, job to be an assistant. And yet, here was, here was the desire that I could be next to someone famous. To know a movie star or an athlete um, uh, or, or whatever uh, genre that they valued, whether it was artist or, or whatever. But... If I can't be famous, then I want to at least be in the circle. I want to be rubbing elbows with them because then I might get noticed that I could be seen by someone famous. And so to be uh, in this area was actually, uh, even at that age, already being instilled within them as something valuable. Now, many of us, we might say, you know what, I have no desire to be famous, and, and you know, I'm fine not even being known. Um, uh, and, and we might think that, but here's the thing. We may not want to be famous, but how many times do we have this fear, fear not of not being famous, but of being left out, of being humiliated? I don't want to be famous, but I just don't want to be humiliated. I just don't want to be invisible. 
And, and you see, it might not be with masses of people, but we all have a group of people, uh, even if it's a small group, that we desire acceptance from. And many times, yo, it, it, the self-importance is obscured because we don't have this big, grandiose uh, desire to be out in front of other people. But you see, there's a subtle kernel within us, but I sure don't want to be left out from these people, from my group. And many times when our group of people don't give us that, that um, significance, it's the same thing as not achieving that great height of being famous. And, and so we see that in, in our world today. It has just become crazy uh, which you are part of it, and we're all part of it, and I know we all do it, and I'm not putting this down. It's not bad as long as we use it in the correct way, but right now we're on social media, and social media has kind of fueled this. Now, it has not created it. Many times we think that social media is the devil and it's a Satan, which it is not, and thank God for it because that is allowing us to connect right now in the Word of God, but it has in some ways, when we don't use it right, it has fueled what is already inside of us. It is that sin, that seeking of self-importance. And so we know this, the selfie is big. And I, and I just want to be out there so people see what I'm doing and there's this desire to be a part of, of uh, the bigger world and I don't want to be left out. I, I'm looking at everyone else, so I'm going to be a part of that too. I, I don't want them to forget me. And so we feed into this self-importance. Uh, and again, it's not that I want to be famous or anything, but I just don't want to be left out. I just don't want to be invisible. Um, and, and I don't want to be unheard. Um, and, and so we have just grown into this, this, this social media desire. It, it also shows up when you go to a sporting event. You know, people are enjoying the event, but how many know that as soon as you look up on the big screen... And they see themselves, what do people, oh my gosh, they go crazy. They start doing things that they would never have done. And, and you see people, oh, oh, I am on the big screen. I'm being seen by everyone. And that is, it's something that just excites us. It, it motivates us. And, and uh, you'll see that, that even if they don't get on the screen, if you're in the stadium and you look around, you see people doing everything they can to try and get on the screen, making fools of themselves. And, and you just laugh at you see people, and they may never even get on the screen, but yet they were, they were longing for that. And you know that they've actually done a study, um, uh, a physiological study, uh, with uh, the areas of, of social media, and they have found now that we have developed within our uh, physiology um, a response that triggers the dopamine, which is the chemical compound that our brain puts out that, that creates a good feeling. Um, it is that dopamine is that thing that, that makes us that uh, it's almost like the addiction drug uh, within us. And they have found that there is a spike of dopamine every time someone's phone dings with a notification. That we have so fed into this self-importance that when we get a notification that someone might have liked our picture, that someone might have clicked on our thing, Dopamine comes and there's a rush of satisfaction that we have actually physically begin to be addicted almost to uh, this idea of being noticed. And I don't care if anyone talks to us, but someone liked 
my picture. And again, that's not bad as long as that's not the source of our identity. And we're going to get to that point. And so I'm not telling you to throw out social media. In fact, by all means, don't. Because it is a great tool that God has given us uh, to touch people's life. But I want to ask you, how are we using it? Where is our uh, uh, focus? Have we fallen into the slavery of self-importance? Now, when we talk about social media, many times we might think, well, um, uh, we're seeing that now. But it's no different. Um, this is not a new thing. In fact, social media has, has not uh, uh, created this or even made it worse. It's just given it a different outlook and a different uh, focus of, of expression. But we can look back, uh, even back into the early days of our own country, um, in the quote of John Adams, and John Adams was uh, our very first vice president, our second president, um, and in 1790, um, this is what he wrote. Um, he says, whether a person is highborn or lowborn, whether they are high, uh, uh, rich or poor, everyone has a desire to be observed, considered, esteemed, praised, beloved, and admired by his fellows. And this is one of the earliest as well as the keenest dispositions discovered in the heart of man. He goes on to say, to be wholly overlooked and to know it is intolerable. So even back then, this has, this has been the case of all human heart, that we all have a universal desire to be liked, to be noticed, to be seen. And, and I love this phrase that he says, and to be wholly overlooked and to be aware of it, to know that you are being overlooked. He said, this is intolerable to mankind. And so because it is intolerable for us to be invisible, to be overlooked, to be ignored, even by one person. Maybe we don't want to be seen by everyone, but there's one group of people uh, or even one person that we want to notice us. Um, and, and it's intolerable to be obscure and to be insignificant. And because of that, we exhaust ourselves to strive for significance, to strive to be noticed. And, and this, um, uh, this striving is the core um, part of all the stress in our life. Uh, it is the core uh, part of much uh, uh, even physical problems. Uh, in our life, and we may not even recognize it because we're not wanting to be seen by many, but, but we are just not wanting to be overlooked, to be a part of those. And because of that, pressure builds up. We are stressed out. Um, it, 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 it builds up within us to, to, to measure up. We are constantly working to measure up uh, to what our kids should do. And that's why we have this society of we are living for our kids. Um, we will give everything that they might go to every game and every practice. We are exhausting ourselves thinking that's the highest good. And yet we are ruining not only our own path but our kids' path because they are beginning, it is feeding into their own uh, self-importance. And we have got to begin to get a handle on this. And sometimes... Uh, to, to correct this is going to be painful because we've gone so far, but we've got to make that correction. But not only that is we've become a people who cannot take any negative feedback. 
When we hear anyone speak anything negative to us, it almost cuts to who we are because we see something negative as something that is, is removing our identity and our importance. And so we have become a people today who is very unable to take any kind of suggestions or consideration. We see everything as something tearing me down, even if it's just simply um, a comment or, or something that is being uh, uh, observed in us uh, because we are so caught up in this that we cannot even take negative feedback. Um, Tim Keller, in one of his books, uh, talks about a quote from Madonna that her biggest fear is of being mediocre. And that even though she is famous now, that, that she still struggles. Every day she has to maintain that. And her fear is to begin to lose that and become forgotten. Um, and it is that idea of being forgotten that drives us and will even cause us to do things that we don't approve of or we know that is bad for us, but the cost of being forgotten is greater than what we are willing to pay. Now, when we look at the disciples, um, and here's where it leads us, they didn't just want to be noticed, but they wanted to be better than someone else. And and that's the other thing, that when we give in to this idea of self-importance, it will always lead us to being more. Um, We always want more. When we get into that circle, um, there's always, we find out that there's a another circle. There's an inner circle. And when you get in that inner circle, there's another inner circle. There's always a new and better way to be important, to be noticed. And that's how it feeds within us. It is like a a spiraling in uh, to who we are. And it is really a spiraling into death and destruction. That is what sin is. Sin will always take us farther than what we wanted to go. And yet we just wanted to go one more step. Okay, just one more step. I just want to be noticed by one more person. Okay, I have 500 likes on my Facebook, but I want to have 600, and then I'll be done. Well, you'll not be done. Um, uh, We have to understand that we will always want more. It is a drug. It is something that is pulling us away. So let's look at Jesus' response. Jesus' response to the disciples is that this is how the world is. Um, this is how important people are in the world, but it's how everyone is in the world, that, that we all want to be great. But he uses this word, he says, but it will not be so with you. That's not where you find your importance. That's not where you're going to find fulfillment and accomplishment and significance. He says this, that any of you who want to be great You have to be like the least. And in that day and age, it was the older person who got the inheritance and the status and the power. But he said, you know what? You need to be like the youngest person. And the youngest in the family didn't get anything. They weren't recognized. They didn't carry on the name of the family. Um, But he said, this is where you find value. Because it frees you from the tyranny of name and status, and, and there's things that come with that that Jesus says, I want to free you from that. And not only that, he says, but you need to also not be like the master, but you need to be like the servant. Because in serving, 
you are going to find more life than what you could ever find being the master. Um, and so Jesus shows us that there is a source of importance. Now, he is not saying that, that we are not to ever be important or noticed because that desire to be noticed, it was put in there by God himself. Jesus himself put that desire within us, but here's what he's saying. He's saying that it has been twisted, and here's what's been twisted, that, that it's who you're desiring to be noticed by is the problem. You want to be the oldest because you want to be noticed by the world and those around you. Uh, you want to be the master because you want other people to notice you. You want the world to notice you. Whereas Jesus says, we need to begin to desire God to notice us. Because when we begin to seek the things of God, there is an importance of, of, of value from God's observation of us, from God clicking that like button on our life that the world can never give you. And we see this in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, that Jesus himself realized this. In Philippians 2, uh, starting in verse 2, it says this, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of the same mind as Jesus. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others as better than himself. And let each look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus, who even though he was in the form of God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but instead, he made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a servant, and he came in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself further and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every name should bow, those in heaven and on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus saw that, that everything in this world is not worth it. Because it is when he lowered himself, it is when he began to serve others, it is when he gave himself for others, that others may not have recognized it, but God recognized it, and it said God highly exalted him. So you see, the reason Jesus is telling us to humble ourselves, to serve one another, is because, not because it'll do good for other people, and not because it's just the right thing to do, which it is, but it is because it is out of the honor and glory for our Father in heaven. It is beginning to live a life of humbleness and servanthood that begins to please the heart of God. And when we please God's heart, then we are noticed above anything that we could ask for. And we see that Jesus was exalted above all things because he humbled himself and gave himself for God's approval rather than man's approval. You see, when we seek the approval of the world, 
You know what it builds within us? It builds within us a constant striving. It builds within us uh, an emptiness because we can never get the approval of everyone. We're always going to let people down. So no matter how hard we try, when we strive for the approval of the world, we end up empty. We end up betrayed. Because even the people that like us, I'm telling you, they may like you for a short time, but sooner or later they're going to find someone else to like. And they're going to leave us. Um, uh, it's, it's the same thing in marriages. You know, that first love is so great, but how many know that we all know that at some point in marriage, it wanes. That physical love uh, cannot be the source uh, of our uh, focus or that's why divorces and separations are so uh, high because, you know what, I've fallen out of love with you. It's going to happen when we only seek for the world's approval. But when you seek for the approval of God, Here's the thing, God gives you contentment because you see God will never leave you. Um, there is purpose because God is the source of all uh, the course of creation. And, and so when you enter into the approval of God, there is a purpose and a contentment that cannot be lost. The world can't lose this because see the world is fading away, but God is eternal. It also brings you joy and fulfillment we see that Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. How could he be joyful going into this worst thing? Because he knew the heart of God. When we begin to seek the approval of God, um, we find an eternal future. We see that there will be no end to that. Now, here's the thing. We seek the approval of God not through our own actions. Now, many people... They are in that same cycle because they're trying to please God through their own actions. They're, they are trying to earn God's approval. Jesus is saying, that's not the way. Um, I'm asking you to humble yourself and serve others because I have already noticed you. Here's the key. You can't earn God's approval. All you have to do is accept it. Jesus has already did that for us. He has given us the approval of God. And so we do not earn it, but we respond to it. We are able to humble ourselves because we are approved. You see, that's the key. Many times we're not able to humble ourselves because we're still trying to earn it, even from God uh, and even from church, or we become religious. And yet those insecurities never allow us to truly just relax and be the true servants that God has called us to be because we are still struggling with that. And it's, Jesus shows us, how was Jesus able to humble himself even to the point of death? Here's how he was able to do that. Because he knew who he was. He knew that God had already approved him. You see, he was not earning God's approval on this world. He was simply responding out of God's approval. Um, we know that at his baptism, uh, God reached down and gave these words. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't even done anything yet. He had not entered into ministry, and yet he knew that God was pleased with him. We see in John, John chapter 13, John chapter 13, verse 3. And I love this. Um, 
talking about that same night of the Last Supper, um, here's another insight into this. Um, it says uh, that at the supper time, it says in, in verse 2, and supper being ended, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon's son, to betray him. But look what it says. But Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and he was going back to God, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. And he began to wash their feet. He began to, even though he was being betrayed at that very moment, he was able to still serve those around him. Now, what was he doing? Was he trying to get some last-minute points for God before he died? No. He already knew that he was approved. And so because he knew who God was and he knew who God said he was, he wasn't worried about what was going to happen. He didn't worry about what people thought of him because he already had the approval of God. And so he was therefore able to serve. He was able to lay himself down without a word because he was on the rock of knowledge of who he was. And so he tells us the same thing. The only way that we are going to be able to truly get rid of this striving for self-importance is to know who we are. To know who we are and to know who he is. Um, let's go back to Luke uh, 22. And if you remember what he told, after he told them uh, to humble themselves and serve, uh, this is what he, he said in verse 28. Um, he said, You have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed it upon me, that you may eat and drink my, at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He's saying, I am approving you right now so you know who you are. I'm giving you a promise now. Why was he t giving them that promise? Not for them to look for it so that they can understand that they don't have to worry about the world anymore. He has already made a way for us. And he's saying the same thing to us. When he died and rose again, he's saying, I have done this for you so that you can know that you're already important, that you are already in my heart. So you don't need to strive anymore. You don't have to be better. Just love me. Just begin to follow me. Just walk with me and begin to serve those around you. Humble yourself. Don't worry what anyone thinks of you because there's already a place set aside for you if you are my disciples. Now see, that's the key. Have we chosen to know who he is? Do we acknowledge who he is? He said, you have stayed with me through all the trials. Do we make a decision in our heart, God, I'm gonna stay with you no matter what comes my way because I know who you are. Because I say that you are the Lord, that you are the son of God, that you have died for me. When you come to that decision in the core of your being, and begin to know Jesus, then you begin to know yourself. You see, it's not about getting to know who you are in yourself. It's about getting to know Jesus and him showing us who we are in him. And when we begin to know who he is, that he is the one that has power over sickness and sin and death and nature and our soul and our eternity, that he has already done it all, then I can rest complete in him 
and know that I am his child. And when that is the case, then I can let go of self-importance. In fact, the more I nurture that, the more I nurture who Jesus is, the more I nurture um, uh, letting other people see him through me, then I begin to kill the self-importance within me. You see, it doesn't matter what people think about me. It matters what people think about him. And so therefore, I want to live in such a way that they see Jesus and they don't see me. Because I already know who I am. Jesus has already taken care of me. Do we really know that? Have we given our life to him to know that he has me in his hands? If that's the case, then I will have no other purpose but just to live in such a way that they see him. They don't need to see me anymore. I don't want to be noticed by others. I want to be noticed by God. I want to walk in that approval that he has already given me. When we begin to seek that, then I'm telling you, you're going to begin to be free. Free from the struggle of, of constantly having to measure up. Free from the struggle of comparison. Because it's not about what other people have, and it's not about how God loves them or whether they love me more. It doesn't matter. I simply know that Jesus died for me, and I have been adopted into his family. He has a purpose for me, and I'm going to follow him. Whichever direction it takes, whatever uh, path it takes through this life, I have the approval of God. And what is greater than that? So I want to encourage you today. For the sake of yourself, forsake yourself. You see, Jesus wants you to be important. He wants you to know that you're important. He's not getting rid of that, but he's saying your importance is in me, not in the world. And so as we begin to forsake ourselves, we find ourselves, and I believe that you're going to find the purpose in life to make a difference in others around us. Let me pray with you, and I encourage you right where you are. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, if you have not begun to say, God, I want to know myself through you, I want to know you, you can do that right now. Because Jesus said simply this, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you truly begin to seek him, if you truly lower yourself, and not trying to manipulate him, not trying to control, but let him control and have his way, I'm telling you, he says he is faithful and just. He'll forgive your sins. He will make you a new person. And you will have the importance and the approval of God. If you simply turn to him in your heart and say, I am going to now follow you for the rest of my life. Let's pray.